series. But today, we finish off this seven series, and we've got to our last set, set, uh, deadly sin, and it's the deadly sin of envy. And uh, this is a deadly sin I think we all probably have dealt with once in a while. I don't know if you've uh, heard of uh, the, the saying, but you are um, uh, green, like, uh, uh, green like envy. And I was actually going to wear a green sweater today. And my wife was like, that's just cheesy. Don't do it. So I was the good husband and didn't wear the cheesy green sweater. So uh, anyway, but, uh, but you know, about three years ago, uh, I met this couple who uh, uh, they were getting married and they wanted uh, me to marry them. And uh, we became friends with them. And uh, they were from, uh, both of them from different backgrounds, but they weren't from privileged backgrounds. They were from uh, backgrounds where uh, the girl, she had uh, lost her father uh, at an early age, and um, her mother and her siblings all tried to come together, and uh, she didn't have much. And then uh, the, the, the guy who, uh, he, he came from a background where he, his parents were just pretty poor, and they didn't have very many opportunities in life. He got bullied at school. Uh, and things. And so they came together and uh, we became friends. And I remember one night that they came over our house. And about three years ago, we lived in a condo and it was a rented condo. uh, So we didn't own it. And uh, they came in. Now, when we've got this condo, we loved it because it was was a really beautiful condo. And even today, my wife's like, I miss the condo because it had all this like molding. The bathrooms were really nice and everything. And we got a great deal on it. Well, I remember this couple, they came into our house and as soon as they came into our house they were looking around and you could just see the girl look around and she just wanted what we had and uh, she would turn to the guy and she was like I want this I want this I want this is the type of stuff that I want and she would look at just stupid things like our Christmas tree and like once our Christmas tree I'm like you can have the Christmas tree you know and uh, but just different things and 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 all through our friendship as we got to know them it was like they wanted the life that Raquel and myself had and 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 I was baffled by this because we didn't own anything at the time uh all the stuff that we'd got was on the cheap I mean, it was like used or like we got from estate sales, old things. Some of our furniture was super old. And for those of you who were here maybe two months ago, you heard the story of our chair that like was sticky at the back because of my hair and stuff like that. So we had, we, you know, we had all this stuff and uh, that it wasn't good, but they wanted it. And, and as, I, as, as we developed this friendship, you would see that they would post on Facebook and, and different areas and make comments of how they wished they had had the upbringing or the life of other people and how it wasn't fair that they didn't have privilege in their life. And the more I got to know this couple, the more I realized this couple suffered with something called envy. And it was holding them back in their lives because instead of enjoying what God had given them, they were so consumed in what they didn't have that other people have. And this is envy in a nutshell. If you want a definition of envy, it's this. Envy is a feeling of discontented or resentful longing aroused by someone else's possessions, qualities, or luck. So this couple, they had a discontented heart and they had a longing for what other people have. And this is envy. But you know, 
It wasn't just this couple who had this problem of envy. Envy is something that strikes all of us. Envy is not something that we can overcome by going on a diet. And we're like, praise the Lord for that, right? Envy is not something that we can overcome by going on an exercise regime. Envy is not eliminated if we become wealthy or if we become famous. Envy is not eliminated out of our lives if we suddenly find our soulmate. Or if we bring up kids and our kids become the best behaved, smartest kids this world has ever seen. That will not eliminate envy in your life. Because envy is something that haunts all of us. And unless we recognize what envy is then envy is going to eventually destroy us. You know, there's a book in the Bible. It's actually one of my favorite books in the Bible. It's really depressing. And it kind of makes you like go away thinking, well, life is just terrible. But it's a great book. And it's called the book of Ecclesiastes. And it was written by, by a man called Solomon. Solomon was the third king of a nation called Israel. And he was a very wise man. And this is what Solomon said in the book of Ecclesiastes. He said that eternity is in the heart of every man. And I'll bring it into the 21st century for you ladies. Eternity is in the heart of every person. There is a longing in our heart for more than what this life has to offer. Actually, Solomon was saying that our souls lack, and what they lack is something called heaven, a place in eternity, and an eternal place where our hearts belong. And this morning, I want to tell you that your heart does not belong on this place called planet Earth. Your heart belongs in a place in eternity called heaven. And because your heart longs for that, then there's something missing in your life as you live on this earth. And this explains why so many people are not content with their life. They're continuing looking over their shoulder at other people, thinking, if only I could be as skinny as that person. If only I had the money that that other person had. If only I got the lucky break that that person across the way had. If only I had the favor of my boss that the person in the cubicle next to me had. If only my spouse was like their spouse. If only my kids were like their kids. And the list goes on and on. And there may be something in your life right now you know you are not content with. And you may be looking at other people and thinking, I wish I had what they had. And this is all because we're not content in this life. Why do we always want more? Because eternity is in our hearts. And because eternity is in our hearts, and we have not reached that place, that eternal place of heaven, then we're constantly going to be lacking. And there's going to be this big hole in our hearts. You know, one thing I find about Christians, I find Christians kind of interesting. You get all sorts of Christians. But, but I, I've heard this since I was, I was a kid. 
And you hear lots of preachers say this, and lots of people, when they're speaking to people who, who, who don't know the Lord, or who don't follow Jesus Christ, this is what they say. They said, there's a God-sized hole in your heart, and only Jesus Christ can fill it. And people have preached it. And there's an emptiness in your heart, and only Jesus Christ can fill it. And we preach this, and this is what happens. People hear this, and they realize there's an emptiness in their heart. And they want more. They want this emptiness to be filled. So this is what they do. They come to faith in Jesus Christ. We pray a prayer with them. We start them on a discipleship journey. Two, three months down the road, there's still this emptiness in their heart. And they turn away from God because they thought it was a full of a bunch of false promises. They said, Jesus would fill this hole in my heart. But yet, I'm still feeling this emptiness inside. And we got part of it right. There is an emptiness in our heart. There is this hole in our heart. But what we got wrong, we say that Jesus will fill it. In fact, that emptiness will never be filled until we pass from this life into the next life. But this is what Jesus Christ does do. Jesus Christ comes and he points you and he directs you into a life that is directed towards eternity so that one day your heart will be filled and it will be satisfied. And if you don't come along that path, then you're on your own and you're on your own, you'll end up alive and that will be that will be empty and that hole will always be there. I don't know about you this morning, but I'm discontented with life. I've been, I've been, uh, I've been a Christian now for too many years, lots of years, like 27, something like that. And most people would think, Alex, you're a pastor. You know, you're a preacher. You've been a Christian a long time. I was brought up in a Christian home. My dad was a preacher. You would know what it is to be content in this life. But the reality is I'm not content with this life. I have Jesus Christ in my life, and he fills my life. And I love it. This morning we're worshiping, and I'm loving it. There's no better place to be. But the reality is my life as a whole, there is something missing in my life. And what is missing is eternity. Because we live on this earth, and on this earth we have not grasped heaven yet. And there'll be a day when we will be in heaven and we will see that hole in our heart just totally be filled. So Christ came to direct you. He came to give you the opportunity to get to that heavenly place. And then on the way, he comes and he helps you and he guides you and he directs you and he gives you strength and he gives you hope for tomorrow. And if you ever get to that place of understanding that that is what this life is about, that is what serving Jesus is about. It's about living a life on a narrow path towards heaven and living a life for Jesus Christ. Then you'll start to understand what this life is all about. And in turn, you will find some satisfaction in this life. You will find that Jesus Christ is everything that you need. So you asked this morning, well, why, why is envy really wrong? I mean, why can't I look at that person, or, you know, next to me, that neighbor next to me? Why can't I look at that friend or, or, or that work colleague and just want what they have? Well, this is why. This is why envy will destroy you. In Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 30, it says this. It says, a peaceful heart leads to a healthy body, but jealousy is like a cancer in the bones. 
Now, I, the, the translation I use in the Bible is the New Living Translation. I love it. It's a really good translation. It makes things really easy to understand. But they've got it a little wrong here in their translation. The translation, actually a literal translation, is this. It's a, a peaceful heart leads to a healthy body, but envy will cause your bones to rot. That's what it really means. Envy will cause your bones to rot. And this is why. Last week, we had Pastor Paul Gilmore come and speak with us. And this is what he said. He said that man does not live by bread alone. But man lives by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. And he explains that. And this is, this is exactly what envy does. Envy causes you to seek sustenance in life from dead places. And it stops you from gaining sustenance from the place that gives life, and that is Jesus Christ. I'll say that again. Envy causes you to try to find sustenance from dead places. Money is a dead place. Possessions are a dead place. Trying to find contentment in life through just relationships it will, it will help somewhat, but eventually it will end up in a dead place. Climbing the career ladder is a dead place. Trying to gain and gain and gain and gain is a dead place. And what happens when you try to find sustenance from dead things? It gives no vitality to life and your bones will rot. But when you start to find sustenance through the giver of life, that is Jesus Christ. Your bones come alive. And your life comes alive. And you start to understand what life is all about. And you start to live. You know, in my house, i got these two like planters at the front. And I'm on my third set of plants already. We bought them last year. And we like kill plants in our house. So, uh, um, you know, we don't do animals. We don't do plants. We just kill them. And no, we don't kill the animals. I'm sorry that. Even though I do have a groundhog that's around, I really want to gun and shoot it, you know, just by the way. So we got these two planters, and last year we planted, and we put these, these plants in them, and they looked great. They were green, and, you know, they were wonderful, and you came in, and we watered them, watered them, and as I kept watching, they kept getting browner and browner and browner. And I got to a place where they were like, okay, I've got to take them out, and I've got to plant them properly instead of this planter, because the roots don't have time to grow. And so I planted them in the backyard, and I planted them in a place where there's no sun, and one day the wind blew, and they were gone. So I planted these other trees in there, and so I put these like little fir trees in there because they were nice. I was like, well, fir trees, you know, they stay green all the year round, right? Well, two weeks ago, they were as brown as anything. So I planted them again in another part of our yard in order to plant them so that they can get some vitality and so get, get some, you know, so their roots can grow and things like that. So I'm just crossing my fingers and hoping I can revive the plants. But the problem is, is there's no depth to these planters. The roots can't grow. The roots get to the bottom and that's it. They can't keep searching for for more life. And that is what happens when we start searching for sustenance in life in all that other people have. We get to a place, we get to the bottom and the roots can't grow anymore. And it starts, we start to windle and we start to die and our life starts to die and our bones start to rot. But when we're planted in Jesus Christ, It's like planting it in a rich soil, in a rich garden. Our roots grow deep. 
and we start to become green and vitality and, and our life starts to take control because we're looking for sustenance in the giver of life and that is Jesus Christ. Let me show you a quick story in the Old Testament of how envy destroyed a nation. If you've got your Bibles, if you want to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 8. 1 Samuel chapter 8. It says this in verse 1. It says, there was a guy called Samuel. Samuel was a prophet of God. He was a judge over Israel. He was like the leader of, of, of Israel. And it says, as Samuel grew old, he appointed his sons to be judges over Israel, to, to be the leaders over Israel. There was Joel and Abijah, his oldest sons. They held court in a place called Beersheba. They were not like their father, for they were greedy for money. They accepted bribes and perverted justice. Sounds like I give them right now. I'm sorry. Finally, all the elders of Israel met at Ramah to discuss the matters with Samuel. Look, they told him, you are now old and your sons are not like you. Give us a king, a judge, to judge us like all the other nations have. Samuel was displeased and that, at their request, and he went to the Lord for guidance. And God says, do everything that they say to you, the Lord replied, for it is me they are rejecting, not you. They don't want me to be their king any longer. Ever since I brought them from Egypt, they've continually abandoned me. They followed other gods, and now they are giving you the same treatment. Do as they ask, but solemnly warn them about the solemnly warn them about the way a king will reign over them. Then, First Samuel chapter eight, verse nineteen and twenty, it says, "But the people refused to listen to Samuel's warning. Even so, we still want a king." They said, "And listen to this: this is envy in a nutshell. We want to be like the other nations around us." Our king will judge us and lead us into battle. So just to give you a brief history. So God had his chosen people, the nation of Israel. And God said to the nation of Israel, I am going to be your king. I'm going to be your protector. I'm going to be the one who provides for you, who's going to watch over you. I'm going to be the one who, who will teach you how to live. I will direct you. I will, uh, I will lead you in all aspects of life. This is the problem. The people of Israel, they didn't like this. They didn't like to be confined to just serving God. So they started worshiping other gods. And they started doing all things that weren't godly. And what happened when they were living a godly life, God protected them, God provided for them, and God defeated their enemies. But when they turned away from God, then God didn't protect them. They became oppressed. They starved. They went through famine. And then other nations would come and invade them and attack them. And this happened for centuries and years after years. And you would think they would be smart people and think, let's put two and two together. I serve God and we're okay. We don't serve God. We're not okay. You would think, let's just serve God. God protects us. But no, this is what happened. They started looking at all the other nations around them. And they realized they were on this like, like this, uh, this, they were like a yo-yo. They were going up and down, up and down, like on a roller coaster of their life. And they looked at the other nations around them, and they saw that the other nations weren't on this roller coaster. It was like the grass is greener way over there, and we want what they have. 
And so they came together, and the common denominator was all these other nations had a human king, not a God king, a human king. So they came to God, and they said, we want a king. We want to be like the other nations. We want what the other nations have, so give us a king. This is what happened. Cut a long story short. Within a few hundred years, the nation, they got themselves a king. Caused all sorts of problems. In a few hundred years, the nation split into two. There was a civil war, and it split into two. Add a few more hundred years on top, the nation was completely destroyed. Another nation came, invaded them, took all their children, took them away as captives, as fugitives, and that nation became no more. And for centuries and centuries and centuries, the nation of Israel was obsolete. There was no nation of Israel. Then in 1945, after the Second World War, it was created again. But for all those years, and why? Because they envied other nations. They turned from seeking their sustenance from God, and instead they sought their sustenance from what other nations had. They chased after dead things, and do you know what happened? Their bones rotted. Their bones rotted. And when your bones rot, you, 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 you don't always understand. You can't see what's going on because on the outside, you look great. Like those little trees I had. They were green for a long, long time, but I didn't know. But underneath, their roots were dying. Their bones were rotting. And that's what will happen in your life and my life when we start seeking all that other people have. The people of Israel were not satisfied with their life. They thought others were more content than they were, and they chased after their lifestyle. And if they had only realized this one thing, that the thing that they thought that would bring them contentment, that was peace, that was prosperity, that that was just a good times, a good economy, if they had realized that they were in fact just blessings and gifts that God can give, they just realized it was just a blessing and a gift they would have been okay. Because blessings and gifts will not bring you sustenance. In your life right now, you may be thinking, God, I just want you to bless me. Just bless me, God. Bless me. Bless me with money. Bless me with a house. Bless me with a spouse. Bless me, you know, with someone to take care of my children. Bless me, you know, with, 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 with a better spouse. Bless me, bless me, bless me. If God blesses you, you know what will happen? You won't receive sustenance because gifts and blessings aren't sustenance. Do you know what gifts and blessings are? They are just the overflow of God's love and grace upon you. Don't seek this life trying to be blessed. I know you won't hear that very often. And we want to be blessed. I want to be blessed. You know, I want to check my bank balance and see like the money going up instead of the money going down. You know, I want to drive a car that's not going to cut out in the morning. I got this big dent in the side of my car and I'm just like, couldn't afford to get it fixed at the time and it's still there. I'm like, I'm embarrassed by that dent. You know, I want a nice car. Who doesn't want those things? But the reality is, if you live for those things, it's going to rot your bones. They're dead things. Dead things. But real sustenance, real sustenance only comes from a life that is directed towards eternity. And Jesus Christ is the one who leads us to eternity. 
That is sustenance in life. You know, when we started this church, I remember, I always remember the sixth week of us starting this church. Because we met this dingy elementary school. Toilets were like this high, and, you know, they were nasty. It was, it was, it was good times. But I remember the sixth Sunday, this is what happened. 20 people showed up on a Sunday. 20 people. Kids, everything, 20. And I'm like, why don't you just meet in a home and have a small group, you know? This is what I came home. I came home after that. I was so discouraged. I think I preached a pretty good message that day. I think I remember. But I was so discouraged. And this is my first thought. God, why can't I have what those other churches have? And that thought stayed with me for a long time, a couple of weeks. Seventh Sunday, so that was the sixth Sunday. Seventh Sunday, we had more people, I don't know, probably about 35, 40 people. We had 98 bucks in the offering that day, 98 bucks. I've never seen an offering that low. <laughs> you know, even when they like pass around the bucket at work, there's more than 98 bucks, you know, bucks. And my thought came again, God why are you not blessing me like these other people? Why are you not blessing us like this one and that? And I struggled with it for a few months. God, why are you not blessing us like those other people? And I remember one day, I just got before God, I was so discouraged. It was actually around Christmas time. And, and, and I'll be honest, I was on the verge of quitting. It was, it was uh, December 26th. And we just had an awful Christmas. It had just been a bad Christmas. And I remember I sat there and I got before God. I was so depressed, so discouraged. And I'm like, God, why, why, why are you not blessing us like those other people? And I remember God just speaking to me, Alex, it's not about you. It's not about you. It's about me. I remember God saying, it's not your church, it's my church. And I remember I came out, and I came out, I was in this, I had like this little den, it was dark, and I like to go and pray in the dark because, you know, I just don't, I get too distracted. And I came out, and I realized, I don't care if we have 20 people, I don't care if we have 15 people, I don't care if we had nine bucks in the offering, because all that matters is being faithful to God. Because if I follow God, then my life and my sustenance for life is just right. I get a healthy diet because I start chasing after this blessing or chasing after this or try to be this big church or try to gain more money. Then all I know is it's going to end in dead things and my bones are going to rot. But if I chase after Jesus, I gain life. And I realized that day a measurement of your success isn't comparing yourself to others or what God has done for others. A measurement of success is staying faithful and trusting in God no matter how much life may stink at that time. And your life may be stinking right now. You may have some things in your life that you are not liking. You do not, you do not agree with. You think God has left you. A measurement of your success in life is staying faithful to God no matter how much life may stink. It's not chasing after the blessings, even though blessings are great. But they're gifts from God. The sustenance in life comes from staying faithful to God. And this is what I know. I know that God has a plan for your life. And that plan is bigger 
It is greater. It is more influential than you can ever imagine. And that plan will only be attained if you feed off the giver of life. That's Jesus Christ. And if you chase after the other things, then there won't be enough sustenance in your life to live out that plan. You know, as I close, Jesus told this story in Luke chapter 15 about a young man who wanted his inheritance from his father. His father was still living, and he said to his father, I want my inheritance now. So his father, being a good father, gave him his inheritance. So this young man, he took this inheritance. He left home. He went. He partied a lot. He had a lot of friends, and he spent all the inheritance. Then one day, this young man found himself feeding pigs, living amongst the pigs. And for a Jewish man, that was the lowest of the low. And he found himself at rock bottom. And he decided to return home. He said, my, my, my father's servants are treated better than I'm treated. So he went home and his father saw him and his father was so delighted at his return that his father gave him a ring. He put a robe on him and then he went out and he, he found the best uh, cut of meat that he could find, the best prime rib, and, 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 he, and he cooked it and he, he hosted this special celebration for him. And everybody celebrated because this young man had come home. But there was another guy. He was the brother of this young man. He was an older brother. This older brother had not asked for an inheritance. This young man had stayed faithful to the father all these years. This young man had done everything that the father had asked of him. And when the young man came home and there was this big celebration, this is what the older brother said. Father, I've stayed faithful to you. I've done everything that you've asked of me. But you've never given me a celebration. You've never given me the best bit of prime rib that you can find. You've never done what you're doing to the young man for me. How many of you have ever felt like that? I know I felt like it. I've seen other people, they messed around with their lives and God is blessing them. But yet you stayed faithful. You've done the good things. You've stayed faithful to your spouse through thick and thin. You know, you've stayed faithful to your kids. You know, you've done the right thing. You've done this and that. But yet it seems like everybody else is being blessed except for you. But this is what the father said. In Luke chapter 15 and verse 31. His father said to him, look, dear son, you have always stayed by me. And everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. What the older brother didn't understand was this. That one day. While the younger brother has taken all that he has and he's gone and spent it and we're having this big celebration for him right now. That may be all that he gets in life. A big celebration. But you, older brother, you've been faithful. You've stayed faithful to thick and thin. you stayed by me. And one day, everything you see, the house, the land, the animals, the servants, everything you see, they will be yours. 
You may not see it right now, but one day everything will be yours. You will have more than you ever dreamed or hoped for. And I could just imagine the father saying to the older brother, stop looking for recognition in this celebration. Because this blessing of this younger brother may be all that he gets. But because of your faithfulness, you are going to get everything. And if you stay on the right path and you follow a life for Jesus Christ, that that hole in your heart may never be filled in this life. But in the next life, that hole will be filled and you will have more than you've ever thought of. You will have everything that you've ever needed because you stayed faithful to the Father. You know, the Apostle Paul says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 12, He says, I've learned to live in all different situations. I've learned when I've had a lot, and I've learned to be content when I have nothing. He said, the secret of life is this. I can do all things through Jesus Christ who gives me strength. And that is how we find true contentment in this life. Not chasing after this and that, but staying faithful to Jesus. You know, and as we close this series down, we've done seven weeks There's been this overriding theme that I've seen. And this is the theme. God has a plan for you. God has great things for you. God wants the best for you. And God wants you to stay close to him. God wants to lead you. And then God wants to to, to lead you one day into a life of eternity where you will be overwhelmingly satisfied. But if you try to go it alone, if you try to make your own plans, if you try to just follow your own emotions and desires, then there are seven deadly weapons that are going to come and try to destroy you. There's greed. There's anger. There's pride. There's slothfulness. There's lust, gluttony. And lastly, there's envy. So this morning, as we close this series down, I, I challenge you. Hold tightly to what is good. Hold tightly to what is good, and that is Jesus Christ. And then abstain and let go of what is bad. Then your bones won't rot, and you'll be filled with life, and life to the full. Let's pray this morning.